This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is my life of crime. On our last episode... Hey, where's Joey? Have you heard from Joey? This isn't like him to not call me back. There's something really wrong. A beloved young man gone missing. There's six or seven million people in New York City and they cross paths with us. His name, Joey Cominelli, a 26-year-old man with an army of friends and his whole future ahead of him. He had led a charmed life with few missteps until the early morning hours of Sunday, November 13th when he went to a party in the Grand Sutton, a luxury complex on New York's east side. He is the last seen walking into the building. We see him come back into the building. And what did that say to you? They're lying. There's a problem here. Within 24 hours, Joey's dad, Pat, filed a missing persons report with the 17th Precinct in Manhattan, and cops were taking the case seriously. They knew that at least three other men all in their 20s, had been at that party. James Rackover, who lived there, Max Gemma, and Larry DeLeon. DeLeon claimed that Joey Cominelli had left the party to walk some young women to an Uber and had never returned. But that story was contradicted by building surveillance video. Finally, on Tuesday, November 15th, two days after Cominelli disappeared, De Leon began talking to police. The party at the apartment, he said, had been lively. There was cocaine and plenty of drinking. On one woman's cell phone video, De Leon and James Rackover are seen dancing. They're even competing to see who could give the best lap dance. The women left by 6.45 a.m. And that's when cameras captured De Leon and Joey Cominelli walking back into the building and up to apartment 4C. James Rackover and Max Gemma were both inside. Reporter Murray Weiss picks up the story. Larry DeLeon tells the police he has an exchange of words with Joey Comunale that Joey says something like, James got the cocaine, you know, I got the cigarettes, what have you brought to the table? And kind of pounded his hand on a table. And Larry DeLeon admitted to the police that he just flew into a rage and slammed Joey, knocked him down and hit him a few times. 
Dillion says his friend Max Gemma on the couch slept through it all, but he says Rackover, a boxing fan who took pride in his chiseled physique, jumped right in. And according to Larry, James starts also beating the crap out of Joey, who's now defenseless and gurgling because he can't hardly breathe. That's Bob Abrams, an attorney working with the Cominale family. He has heard DeLeon's recorded confession. He claims that after he had beaten a defenseless Joey and almost killed him, Max woke up. They got so very nervous because Racco was now beating the crap out of Joey that they would do anything Racco was said. And this is really difficult for me to talk about because what they did and how they did it is just so horrific. What's not clear is why the fight started. All of Joey's friends describe him as a peacemaker, the guy who stopped fights. But once this fight started, Joey never had a chance. DeLeon says Rackover then began stabbing him. The stabbing ended Joey's life. DeLeon says Gemma left the apartment and had no involvement in the murder. But he says Rackover dragged Joey's lifeless body into the bathroom and then tried to cover up the crime. He tries to dismember him with a serrated knife. Dismembering somebody is not an easy thing to do. And Rackover was not able to do it. While the two men, DeLeon and Rackover, plotted their next move, they began a frenzied cleanup of the apartment. They mopped up Joey's blood with bleach and paper towels. And keep in mind, they are doing this while Joey's father and friends are all calling, asking, where is Joey? All so cold-blooded. You're talking to Larry DeLeon, and your son's still in the apartment. And they act like there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Incredibly, evidence shows that sometime during the cleanup, Rackover and DeLeon took time out to eat, placing a delivery order. Then, as shown on building surveillance cameras, they explored the basement, looking, police say, for a way to get Joey's body out of the Grand Sutton without being seen. And then... It is totally insane. As dark descended on Sunday night, DeLeon claimed he moved Joey's body, now wrapped in a comforter, to the ledge of Rackover's fourth-floor window, while Rackover moved his Mercedes-Benz into position on East 59th Street. Communale family lawyer Bob Abrams. When Rackover gave him the class sign... De Leon pushed the body uh, out of the window, four floors. And nobody saw it? We're, we're talking about a upscale apartment, midtown Manhattan, and nobody saw it? The Grand Sutton faces the Queensboro Bridge in Manhattan, and it was dark. It fell into an area where there may have been some bushes and concrete. And then when nobody was looking, after De Leon came back down, they stuffed the body into the trunk of the car and then they drove off. They drove Joey's body to Oceanport, New Jersey, De Leon's hometown, some 60 miles from Manhattan. There, De Leon and Rackover took Joey's body out to a wooded area behind a florist shop. He admits to helping take the body and to participate in throwing the body and uh, 
digging, I don't want to call it a grave because it's not a grave, a hole, but right before they were going to cover up the hole, uh, Rackover took gasoline and started to pour it over Joey's body and, in fact, did light Joey's body on fire. After DeLeon's confession, police raced out to Oceanport. They discovered Joey's body in a field behind the florist shop, exactly where DeLeon said it would be. Two hours later, Sergeant Yeoman Castro of the New York 17th Police Precinct arrived at Pat Commonale's home in Stamford, Connecticut. You heard a car door close? I popped up and I saw Detective uh, Castro. I already knew. Yeah. Bro, bro. What happened that night? Did you do it? James Rackover and Larry DeLeon were arrested and charged with second-degree murder and jailed. What happened early Sunday morning? Max Gemma, the third man at the Sutton Place party, was arrested later. DeLeon told police that Gemma was not involved in the killing. So Gemma was charged with hindering prosecution and tampering with physical evidence and he was granted bail. All three men pleaded not guilty, even Larry DeLeon. He later challenged his confession, saying police had ignored him when he informed them he had a lawyer. The murder remained a mystery. Why kill a complete stranger? But the story got even more twisted when investigators discovered that James Rackover the privileged son of a celebrity jeweler, had something he was hiding, a dark past. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. James Rackover wasn't really James Rackover, was he? No. It just seemed like there was always more to learn about James more terrible things. To the outside world, James Rackover was a wealthy young heir and would-be model living in the lap of luxury on Sutton Place. Instead... Police say James Rackover is also this man, James Bowden from Broward County. He's actually an ex-con from Florida, a world away from that understated wealth of Sutton Place. And James Bodine had a rap sheet dating back to his teens. He spent nearly a year and a half in prison for second-degree burglary. Three months after his release in September 2013, after moving to New York, he reportedly met Jeffrey Rackover, the celebrity jeweler, at a gym. They were both working out, and they kind of hit it off. Veteran crime reporter Murray Weiss, now a producer for 48 Hours, said the multimillionaire bachelor, then in his mid-50s, soon invited the 22-year-old James to live with him in his lavish Grand Sutton apartment 
on the 32nd floor. And if anyone asked why the two were suddenly living together, Jeffrey explained it this way. Jeffrey Rackover told his closest friends and, in fact, his relatives that one day there was a knock on his door and a young man was standing at the door and said, you don't know me, but I'm your son. Jeffrey even took the extraordinary step of allowing James to change his last name to Rackover. James claimed he was Jeffrey's biological son. These are the documents for name change, and in it, they put this in a legal document. James Rackover said Jeffrey Rackover is his biological father. He lied in this document, didn't he? James lied in that document, and Jeffrey Rackover confirmed the information. They're not related. They're not related. Abrams alleges that there was a sexual relationship between the two, but Jeffrey Rackover's lawyer categorically denies that. What's more, James's defense attorneys, Rob Caliendo and Maurice Sirkars, say they've only seen a father-son relationship. Jeffrey Rackover provided structure in the life of this young man. Jeffrey paid for James's education and helped him find a job. He even paid James's nearly $4,000 a month rent when in early 2016, James moved into apartment 4C at the Grand Sutton. After James was arrested for Joey Cominelli's murder, Jeffrey Rackover paid at least initially for James's defense attorney. What does James Rackover face if he's convicted of all charges? He faces spending the rest of his life in jail. Charged with second-degree murder and other crimes, James Rackover went on trial first, before Larry DeLeon and Max Gemma. His attorney, Sirkars, fought to save him, claiming that James is only guilty of covering up a murder, not committing one. You were asking this jury to separate the murder from other pretty terrible acts, trying to cut up the body, getting rid of the body, burying the body, burning the body. It is tough, but but they are separate things. Rackover's attorneys blame Larry DeLeon for the murder. Opening statements today in the murder trial of James Rackover. James Rackover was tried in October 2018. Jeffrey, once his biggest supporter and surrogate father, did not appear in the court. But Joey Cominelli's friends and family packed the courtroom every day. What's been the worst part? Every day. Joey's father, Pat, was the first witness, and his emotional testimony quieted the courtroom. I know it affected the jury. It affects the jury in any murder case. Prosecutors described James Rackover as a monstrously callous killer, playing this phone call recorded in jail where James brags to a friend. I don't know if you've been following this, but I start trial September, so I'm looking at being home around October-ish. My breath's going to be up there, bro. Like, my weight's going to oh, be yes. up when I hit the street. They're going to be like, yo, this kid just fucking beat this shit like Rocky and he's home? Oh, my God. Yeah, Two of the women at the after party with Joey took the stand but parts of their testimony actually helped the defense. One woman told the jury that she saw DeLeon brandishing a knife. He was using it to do coke off of. The women uh, painted a picture of him being pretty quick to use this knife for any variety of tasks. And James's defense lawyers also point out that he had everything to lose by killing Joey. 
he would lose his good life. James knew that if Jeffrey ever found out that a dead body had been discovered in his apartment, that was the end of their relationship. And that had to be factored into account as well when you consider why James felt so compelled to get that body out of the apartment. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. After more than a week of testimony, prosecutors had put on a strong case proving the cover-up, but had nothing that directly pointed to James Rackover as Joey's killer. They seemed to need something more. And sure enough... They announced that they had a star witness who was going to take the stand. That witness was Louis Ruggiero, a close friend of James Rackover, reporter Murray Wise. The new witness turned out to be the troubled son of a very, very popular New York television morning anchor woman named Rosanna Scotto. Good day, New York. I'm Rosanna Scotto. Popular and well-connected, Rosanna Scotto is as hometown as New York gets. And her 24-year-old son told the court that he met James because of his mother's friendship with the jeweler, Jeffrey Rackover. The day after Joey Cominelli's murder, Ruggiero said he was working out at the gym when James called him, desperate to talk. Lewis testified that James looked strung out. He had bags under his eyes. And he said that James told him, I've done something awful. There was a kid in the apartment Lawrence de Leon got into a fight with him, kind of knocked him out. And then James says, I got my own licks in there. And I didn't want a dead body in my apartment. So I slit his throat. We then put him in a comforter, threw him out the window, drove him 60 miles and buried him in a grave. And then he adds, don't worry about it because I bleach clean the entire apartment and nobody will know about it. Ruggiero testified that he thought James was just making a sick joke. But the reaction in the courtroom was very different. Gasps came out of half of the room that was filled with Joey's family and friends. You could see the jurors actually recoil when he used the word, I slit his throat. It was a stunning moment because Ruggiero was the first witness who directly implicated James Rackover in Joey Cominelli's murder. The testimony by Mr. Ruggiero was very damaging. And defense attorney Maurice Sirkars maintains that Ruggiero's testimony was riddled with factual errors. Rackover's attorneys tried to put holes in the testimony, attacking the witness. Attorney Robert Caliendo. Ruggiero testified that my client slit his throat. Joseph Cominale did not have his throat slit. 
Ruggiero admitted on the stand that he had been spending $1,200 a day on marijuana, Oxycontin, Xanax, and cocaine. And he never called police to tell them about James' confession. There were a number of reasons to think that Mr. Ruggiero might not be the person you want to hang the hat of a murder conviction on. In his closing argument, defense attorney Sirkars had one last surprise. Four minutes of video where James is seen in a building elevator and then in Jeffrey Rackover's bedroom where Jeffrey is sleeping. Attorney Sirkars argued that in those four minutes when James was not in apartment 4C, DeLeon alone killed Joey. Four minutes is plenty of time. After 10 days of witness testimony and evidence, it's up to the jury to decide. Just got to get justice. That's really it. Now it's a waiting game. On Friday, November 2nd, 2018, after nearly five hours of deliberations and nearly two years after Joey's murder, the jury reached a verdict. The former James Bodine of Florida, now James Rackover from New York, was convicted on all counts for the murder of Joey Cominale. The verdict was greeted with relief and tears. I want to thank the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. I couldn't be more proud of the NYPD and all Joey's friends and everybody else who supported us over the last two years. I can't wait to get these other two sons of bitches to go down just like this asshole. Part of my language. Rackover got a life sentence. In January 2019, Larry DeLeon took a deal in exchange for 23 years in prison. A month later, Max Gemma, who pleaded guilty to hindering prosecution, was sentenced to six months in jail. It's over for everyone, except those who love Joey Cominelli. Girlfriend Elisa Libretto has only memories. I definitely thought I was going to marry him one day, honestly. Um, he was just a beautiful person inside and out, and I, my life without him has been crazy. Joey's mother, Lisa, can barely speak about her only son. Oh, just miss him every day. As a way of remembering Joey, his father, Pat, got a tattoo with the number nine, which is the number Joey always wore when he played sports. Good to see you. So your son's always going to be with you. Yeah. I said, I don't want him. You better make sure it looks just like him. And it does. Yeah, honestly, I never saw the kid cry. Never one time. It's ironic. I'm making up for it. Yeah, he was a special kid. He really was. Joey Cominelli's disappearance and death in 2016 was first covered by the tabloid newspapers as just a drug deal gone bad, and they focused more on James Rackover and his secret life. They got it wrong, really wrong. Joey Cominelli mattered. His only mistake, he was too trusting. His death was a terrible loss to his family and friends who will never be the same. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and that's my life of crime. 
A special thanks to the 48 Hours team, as well as my producers, Sam Egan, Alan Pang, and CBS Audio. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CBS Life of Crime. We'll see you next time. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.